and we'll do it. Welcome to The Other Ministers, the podcast where the other ministers in your church who are not the senior pastor, lead pastor, teaching pastor, get together and have a podcast because sometimes it's good to hear from some people who aren't the lead pastor. Yeah. Um, My name's Joseph. I'm the worship pastor here at our church in Central Florida called the Foundry Church. Joining me as always, our church's digital pastor and the voice of the Lakeland Magic, Hank Taylor. You know, if Seth wanted to try to do this, I don't know that he could figure out how to set all this up. No, I don't think so. I mean, he does a he he uses the pod track and a lot of times my microphone to record his podcast. But um, so he can hit a record button. He can, he hit, can the hit the record button. button. And in fact, I I my understanding is because I haven't listened to this episode, but the episode where he first used this, he just spent twenty minutes or so with the sound effects. Oh, I need what, to is what I was told. Nice. He was just having having a lot of fun with good that. one. Uh, the third voice you heard also joining us, as always, our church's family life pastor and certified Eagle Scout, Hunter Mertz. Hello. Hello. Um, sorry, I just got a text, and that is a good reminder for me to put my phone on Do Not Disturb. Good call. I'm on that. I'm um, on that too. Today, as we record, is Monday... March 22nd. Is this the first time we've recorded on back-to-back Mondays in... Oh, quite a while. Two months, three months. It feels like think feels so. like a very long time. Uh, we, at least for now, I think have given up uh, trying to live stream this as we record it. Uh, but we do still put the video out on our church's um, Facebook page, Facebook group we call the Foundry Family. Yeah. Uh, so you can still check it out there and you can interact. We'll go back and look at comments. So you can leave a comment uh, as it premieres or whatever Facebook calls it. And um, yeah, and so that, that can also function as a way to get in touch with us in addition to our email, which is tom at org, and our social media, which is the other ministers. Yes, correct. Yes. Um, so as I said, today... Monday, March 21st. Uh, how's, how's your March so far, guys? March sadness. March sadness. Bracket is busted. Bracket is super busted. I had, yeah. I'm had. i proud of myself for getting a couple of Sweet 16 upsets nailed down. Yeah. I, I for, for our friend Mitchell, shout out to you, Mitchell, former co-host Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. I had Michigan go into the Sweet 16. All right. And that panned out. So good for him. We texted about it. A couple of times when there was the story a couple of weeks ago about Michigan's coach uh, mm-hmm. punching another coach in a heated moment and they came and said oh uh, Juwan Howard it, we're, we're gonna suspend him for the rest of the season uh, it didn't register with me that that meant like four days right. until the end of yeah the season but then he's back and he oh, was he's back for the for, for the postseason. Yeah, he's he's back for the tournament. Oh, and was was that a seems part kind of sketch. Well, of course it is because it's college sports and it's huge money and money trumps everything. Uh, more on that later. Um, 
but uh, no, the, he was a part of a moment. I saw, I guess, Michigan played Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment. I don't know if they had some kind of relationship, um, you know, knew each other outside of the court. But there was a moment at the end where there was a Tennessee player who was very visibly upset at, you know, their tournament run ending. And Jawan Howard, like, hugged him. Like, just gave him a very, like, fatherly mentor, big brother type of embrace on the court. And I was like, why is he there? <laughs> like, he, he punched a guy, like, eight days ago. Um, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. That was, <laughs> I, I wish Mitchell was, would be here, because I'm sure he, I, I don't know how, I don't, I don't know. I actually haven't gotten a stake on it. Yeah. If he's, if he's pro or anti Juwan Howard. I'm sure he's pro Juwan Howard in that Juwan Howard has them in the Sweet 16. Yes, and that's w- true. And winning, As an 11 seed. winning might be the only thing that trumps money in sports. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's interesting. It's yeah, consequences for for real people, but not for athletes and rich people. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, so yep. March is great. March yep. has been great. I actually brought something. Mainly, when I discovered this, I thought of you, Joe, but also you, Hunter, since and we were talking a little bit about it before yeah. we started. Um, Wordle spinoff games. I think I've found my new favorite one. Okay. And knowing you, and having done this show with you for as long as I, as long as we've done it, I feel like this is one you would appreciate. Yeah. So I want to, I want to sell you on it. All right. I want to try to sell you on it. Listen, you could tell me this is a Wordle spinoff and it's going to remain free after Wordle goes behind a paywall, and that would be enough. To that, it, that might be good, but it's a, it's a, it's, it's a little different. I'm going to tell you the name of it, and then you can try to tell me what you think the game is All right. based on the name. The name is Symantol. Semantics? Like... Is it like a, like a what's the difference between these two words kind of thing? So the game is there is a mystery word. English word. Okay. You have unlimited guesses, but you try to f- discover the mystery word by guessing words, and it gives you a similarity score on how similar Ooh. your word is to the mystery word. Okay. And you just... I'll just... Spoiler alert. Today's Samantha for me, over 200 guesses. Oh, my gosh. For Whoa. me. Um, and it was very challenging. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's super challenging. My friend Ashley and I, shout out Ashley, we have been playing it back and forth now for the past couple of days. I'll send it to you. You don't have to look it up. I'll okay. send it to you guys so you guys have it. Um, so I know what today's is, and I don't want to you know, hijack our whole show, make it a Samantha podcast, but you <laughs> might just want to try it. So, so Which here's, we don't sponsor, but if they want to throw us money. So I here's the love se- me some word games. So it, it, it's very, what I appreciate about it, we were talking a little bit about some of these other ones that have a cool visual element. Very, this is very plain. Mm-hmm. Very plain interface. It's basically like a text field and a button. And it generates a list of all your guesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says at the top, today is a puzzle, 51. The nearest word has a similarity of 85.44 out of 100. So that sort of tells you how this similarity score works. And if you scroll down actually into the FAQ, it tells you about how that similarity score is yeah. is calculated. The 10th nearest word has a similarity of 59.68. The 1,000th nearest word has a similarity of 26.05. So as you guess, it'll give you the similarity score and it'll tell you on the right, usually it says cold, but if you get within 1,000 of the 
1,000 closest words, it'll show you like a green bar and show oh, you where you rank in the in being close to 1,000. So do you want to take a couple stabs? Uh, I'm, on, I'm on my second guess here. What was your okay. first guess? Uh, do you want me to give it away for anyone who might want to play, or do you want me to give you my similarity score? Well, did you get it right on your first guess? No, my first oh. my first guess had a similarity score of 23.85. Okay, want, that's that's pretty decent. You want a high one, right? You want to be 100. Okay. My second guess had a similarity score of 48.14. Okay, so you're in the 1,000 Yeah, I have a, my green bar says 953 out of 1,000. Wow, that's impressive. That's impressive. So I'm so I'm going synonyms. That's what this basically, is. basically. It's it's well. So it's I'll go back a couple of days. The one I played, I guess it was Saturday. The word was pot, P-O-T. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you finish, it'll show you the list of the one one thousand closest words. In like very close to the top are things related to drugs, marijuana. But also, there were a lot of words related to like food, cookware, kitchen, cookware. Yeah, yeah. There's also a long list of gambling, poker, um, ah. related words for pot. So there's lots of different avenues to potentially arrive at the mystery word, depending on what the word is. Today's word I found a little bit more maybe pigeonholed where there's not maybe quite as broad of a of a path to arrive at this word. So now you guys are playing, and I'm filling wow. all the dead air. Yeah, this is this is very challenging. Well, so I, I just, I had a guess that was a similarity score of 54.7. Okay. 979 out of 1,000, which I assume means there's only 21 words. Yes, more similar. More similar. So then I tried a word that I thought was extremely similar, similarity score of 19.63. Mm, see? Again. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I really, I'm going to have to do this later because otherwise I'll get locked into that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, new word games. I'm all about it. Yeah. Oh, who's joining hey. us? Oh, we are joined by Seth, our church's lead pastor, teaching pastor, senior pastor, whatever you call it. And guy. thanks for joining us. We'll see you all next week. <laughs> we were just talking about new word games. Seth, talk in your mic a little bit. Let me get your levels here. I like to refer to myself as the other other minister. Talk a little more. I like to refer to myself as the other white meat. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we got you. Welcome. Have me. We're glad you're here. We were just talking. We're, we're in our banter section. Oh. And Hank was uh, telling me and Hunter about a new word game that hopefully will not get bought by the New York Times and eventually go behind a paywall. Hmm. Yeah, hopefully not. That'll be the last time that I play Wordle. That would happen to the Wordle? Word, Wordle? Yeah, Wordle is acquired by the New York Times. The Squirtle? Yeah. That's a Pokemon. Mm. Squirtle. Mm -hmm. TM. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> uh, well, just because uh, I've got to get this out of the way, uh, update on on me from last week oh, i wasn't last, gonna bring it up this time well let, I'll, I'll i'll take you on my journey uh, over the last week uh last week hank brought up <laughs> baseball uh the, the thursday before that they had signed a uh, collective bargaining agreement baseball's back on we're starting spring training yada yada my the, the thorn in my uh, in my side to keep me from being super excited about that was that the braves had not signed freddie freeman that afternoon after we recorded, 
uh, basically I, like three hours later, I got home and there was a report that the Braves had traded for first baseman Matt Olson from the athletics. And so, you know, writing's on the wall. You don't need two like elite first basemen on your on your team. So if you're trading for an elite first baseman, you're probably not going to re-sign the elite first baseman that you're, that you're trying to re-sign. Later on that night, I saw uh, a friend on Facebook said something in a, in a comment about hearing or seeing some report that the Braves were also still pursuing Freddie Freeman because Freddie didn't immediately sign anywhere else either. Um, and so it was like, okay, like maybe they're thinking about Olsen as a DH because we have a designated hitter in the National League now. And then the next day, uh, the Braves announced an eight-year contract extension for Matt Olson. Uh, and so it was like, okay, there's no, there's no money left to sign Freddie. Like, this is real. This is happening. Uh, Freddie Freeman is going somewhere else. Um, then there were reports about how shocked Freddie Freeman was um, when he heard the news. Because apparently they didn't call him to say, hey, like, we, we've got to move on. We're, we're going to do this. You know, in, unless you can accept this offer. The Braves had made a final offer to Freddie Freeman of five years, $140 million, uh, which is a lot of money. Well, who can get by? Who can get by? I don't know. <laughs> um, well, so the interesting thing is uh, when Freddie finally signed somewhere, it was with the Dodgers, which is what pretty, I think pretty much everybody expected. He's from Southern California. Um, his wife is from Southern California. They both have a family who still lives around there. Um, and so to some extent it's going home, um, you know, in a, in a major way, but then the details of his, of his contract with them came to light and it was six years, which is what he wanted and 160 million dollars or something, 162, something like that, which comes out to six years at, uh, I think the same average annual salary that the Braves deal was, but at 13 and a half percent state income tax versus five and a quarter or five and three quarters in Atlanta. So he's literally going to be making about 2 million a year less in, in California than he would have made in Atlanta. And so you're like, okay, so it wasn't about the money because if it was just about the money, even a smaller number on the deal, he's smart enough. His agent's smart enough to go, you're going to make more money in Atlanta than you would have in LA. So then it was like, okay, maybe he just didn't want to be in Atlanta anymore. I don't, I don't know. He's always said he does. He's always said. So then I, I went on this whole thing of like, I, I still blame ownership of the Braves. They're a heartless corporation um, based in Colorado. They don't care about the team at all. It's all numbers on a spreadsheet. And so after Freddie almost died from COVID, and then came back to win the MVP in 2020, the ownership went, yeah, that's fine. But, you know, ticket sales were way down. So no contract extension. It's like, guy was just the MVP of the league. Um, and then after last season, being the MVP and then winning the World Series, they were like, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see what the balance sheet looks like when, when all this is, you know, gone through the wash. Um, before we give you a contract extension. And so we hit that lockout with no extension. And so, like, I can understand being Freddie Freeman and going, I really want to be here, but I want a six-year contract. They only want to offer me five. I feel like I'm worth more than this because 
I'm a former MVP now, just led this team to the World Series. I've been with this team through the tail end of their 14 straight division titles run, all the way through the bad years where they were bad, and then helped bring them back up to winning the World Series. Like, can you just give me a contract, you know? And then the latest thing I saw was um, that uh, his agent, the Friday before the Braves made the, the trade for Olsen, his agent called the Braves and said, here's two options we'd be willing to accept. One was a six-year deal for 170-something million. One was a five-year deal for more than that, like 180-something million. It would have come out to 33 or 34 million a year. And then he told uh, the Braves general manager, you have one hour. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, what? Come on. But that just reinforces the other like thread that's come through all of this, which is that Freddie, especially his agent, but probably Freddie too, just overplayed their hand. That they thought, they really thought they were going to get six years and between 180 and $200 million. Um, what he ended up signing for, like I said, was I think 26 or 27 million average annual value. He thought he was going to get 30 or more a year. And um, so, like, part of me, a very small part of me is like, dang it. Like, I feel a little bad for Freddie because once the Braves pulled out, like, his market collapsed. Like, there were other teams who were interested, but they weren't bidding against each other once the Braves were out of the picture. Once the Braves moved on, everybody was like, oh, Dodgers, go for it. And a uh, very small part of me <laughs> feels bad for Freddie because I think – I think if he could have a do-over, he would he would take the five years, hundred and forty million, like that. Yeah, I don't know if that yeah. came through the microphone. That was a snap. I think he would take it, no questions asked. Uh, but I just think I think his agent had him convinced that he was going to get this huge offer that never came through, and even the offer that the Dodgers eventually signed him with was smaller than what they were offering him when the Braves were still in the picture. So, but as usual. The players are still going to get millions of dollars to play a game. The owners are still going to get richer and richer. The only people who really get screwed are the fans. So I get to watch Freddie Freeman in all likelihood finish his career with another uniform when it should have been a Braves uniform. Mm. And didn't you say the Dodgers was like worst case scenario for you when before it all played out? Um, I was trying to remember yeah, that. Yeah, just because I freaking hate the Dodgers. Yeah. This is like yeah. worst case scenario for your Enneagram sixness. This is your struggle. <laughs> it's it's coming out. Yeah. Um, it's the loyalist, the the loyalist in you. Yeah, yeah. the The Dodgers and the Braves had a really nice little rivalry in the early '90s when they were both in the National League West before they came up with the the three division structure. Uh, and so it's been interesting seeing that rivalry come back. Uh, kind of heat up over the last few years just in the postseason um, and now I mean it's yeah it's going to be they they got Freddie Freeman from us we took Kenley Jansen from them they're closer that's true that's um, true and it was really interesting like I so Matt Olson the first baseman we traded for is from Atlanta so it's it's coming home for him he's going to be locked up uh, contract wise through his age 36 season so in all likelihood you know he'll he'll finish his career in a Braves uniform um, and so that was to be expected there was another right-handed relief pitcher who's also an Atlanta guy 
uh, that we that we traded for uh, or acquired somehow in free agency. But Kenley Jansen, I, I, I don't think I ever knew he was from Curacao. And so he talked about how uh, he had this quote in his like, you know, press release upon getting signed about how every kid who grew up in Curacao in the 90s loved Andrew Jones, who, you know, started his career with the Braves and should be in the Hall of Fame just on his defensive skills. Uh, never mind his almost 500 home runs. Um, and then the Braves actually in the late 90s signed Kenley Jansen's older brother. So he was like, I've dreamed about playing for the Braves since I was a little kid. And I was like, wow. I never knew that. I never knew that. So it's, it's kind of a coming home for him. And so like, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be really hard. Um, the Braves play the Dodgers in spring training next week, I think. Um, or maybe even, maybe even later this week. Mm-hmm. So it'll be the first time probably that Freddie will take the field against the Braves. And the Braves will take the field against him. And the first time it happens in the regular season, I think the Dodgers come to Atlanta. And he'll get a really nice round of applause and people will cheer for him. And he may, he may shed a tear and be a little bit emotional. I don't know. And then hopefully he, he just has a horrible series against the Braves. <laughs> Do they like, do like tribute videos for players like that when they're because they do that in basketball a lot? Probably not like, for a guy who screws the team trying to get more money. <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. not. Probably not. I mean, maybe because honestly, I, I there is a blooper reel of all the bad. <laughs> yeah, remember all the times he messed up. <laughs> there's, there's not much bad with Freddie. That's the thing. No, um, he that that was the other baffling thing was like leaving Atlanta at this stage in his career. He signed a six-year contract with the Dodgers, so so he'll, if he plays out that whole contract, he will have been with the Dodgers half as long as he was with the Braves. Dodgers fans are not going to be forgiving if he has a bad first half, which he is a little bit prone to do. I mean, he, he won the MVP uh, in 2020. They only played 60 games. Um, he won it basically on the strength of the final 40 games. Like his first third of the, he's coming off COVID. It just wasn't good. But no one in Atlanta has ever booed Freddie Freeman until this. Um, he's not going to be afforded that luxury in LA. Like he's going to go to a team, he's at a team where they're going to expect him to be an elite all star first baseman immediately. Yeah. And they're not going to have a lot of a lot of forgiveness if he doesn't. And uh, there was a quote from Travis Darno, uh, our catcher, who's been around the league a little bit too. And he was just he said uh, in an article I read last week, I've never seen a player get cheers from their fans the way that Freddie did in Atlanta. And he's played in the American League. He's played in in the National League. He's seen. I mean, Darno's been around a little bit. Uh, so he's he's seen it all over the place, and just to go, yeah, nobody nobody loves their guy, the way the Braves fans love Freddie. Like, it, it's gonna I don't know, it's it's gonna be difficult. Sounds um, like you're moving into your time of wilderness. <laughs> no, I I've come through it honestly a little bit. Like I started my I started my yearly watching regimen of uh, baseball movies and documentaries and TV shows and that kind of stuff, and. Um, I've kind of come to the grips with like, you know, I, I love Freddie. I think he's screwed up. 
I think his agent screwed up. I think they thought they were going to get $200 million if they could play everybody against everybody else. And they just, they play the game that played, played the brinksmanship game and kind of lost. I mean, if you can call a six year, 160 something million dollar contract, a loss to play baseball, you know, that's never a loss, but, um, would have had more money per year and could have finished his career with one team and been an immediate, you know, Atlanta legend, first ballot Hall of Famer type. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And he, he put all that in question to try to get $180 million and didn't get that. And and his his legacy's taken a hit, I think. People who are not wow. Braves fans may not feel the same way, but his legacy's taken a bit of a hit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we're like 25 minutes into this podcast now. <laughs> let's uh, let's do a little bit of tell me something good. Tell me something good. I'll start since I'm kind of on a roll here. Uh, this past weekend, I got to be away uh, celebrating our anniversary. When our actual wedding anniversary rolled around on March 8th, I was in Jacksonville with Michelle's dad and our brother-in-law and our nephew going to a practice round at uh, TPC Sawgrass for the Players' Championship. So uh, we had already planned, even before that came up, to, to go on a trip this weekend and uh, to try to see a Brave Spring training game. That's something that we've done on several of our anniversary trips. Uh, the lockout kind of almost ruined it because the Braves were supposed to play at their facility on this past Saturday. And then when the schedule got reshuffled, they were playing an away game last Saturday. But it ended up being against the Tampa Bay Rays, which was only another like 15 minutes down the road. Uh, so we got to go see that game. They tied 4-4. Four to four. Mm. It was hot and I got sunburned. Um, but whatever, it was fun. Uh, we also just had a, had a good time. Uh, Michelle's parents came and watched the kids at our house. Um, so we just got away for the weekend and we were figuring we were doing the math on it other than like our our friend's birthday weekend that we do yearly um where we have to pay for a babysitter that was the first trip we've had without our kids since our 10th anniversary four years ago so we've had not a ton of time to be able to do the kind of kind of stuff we did last weekend you so gotta get out more Says the guy whose <laughs> parents live close enough to babysit with some regularity. Yeah. I, it it's sounds all part like of the plan, bro. It sounds like <laughs> Seth is volunteering to that's babysit for you so you can get out more. That's what I heard. Oh, that's uh, not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, man, out at the farm, you just, you just put them out in the yard. Yeah, they just go, man. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so that's my that's my something good. I got fourteenth uh, anniversary um, a few weeks ago, and uh, we got to do a got to do a going away trip this weekend. It's good stuff. Nice, nice, nice. Hunter, tell us something good. Laurel's family was in this past week. Yeah, um, their spring break. So her um, parents and then her younger brother uh, came, and we had a blast. Um, her. Um, and uncle live out in Tampa, so they came over for one night as well. Uh, so it was it was a lot of fun. Um, 
And then our seeds are sprouting. We have about 60% of our seeds sprouting so far. Um, the other 40% shouldn't be sprouting yet. Mm. They're like a two-week germination period. I thought you were going to say the other 40% are dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. They, um, they should not be sprouting yet. It would be weird yeah. if they were. Probably bad. Um, so yeah, so we need to start. We're doing it in seed trays, so we need to start preparing the yard for that. So this is a vegetable garden, herb garden, both. A little both, bit of both. Yeah. Okay, nice. Looking forward to some cukes and zooks. Mm. We'll see what comes through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hank, tell us something good. Cukes and zooks. I like that. That was funny. Um, uh, let's see what's good. Um yeah, it's just been a it's 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 been a good weekend. Tiffany and I we watched um she's been on a real crime kick lately. True crime. Right. So we watched um we've been watching some of that. We've been watching one um that I found that is on Netflix, it's short. Um but took place in Erie, Pennsylvania, near where she's from. Okay. And I sort of surprised, caught her off guard with that. I was like, I found this one. Do you want to watch it? And didn't tell her it was like where <laughs> she was from. It was and, her neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, I know where that is. I was like, yeah. Oh, I guess this is an Erie. And she was like, wait, this happened where I, where I grew up? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's weird, isn't it? <laughs> that's weird. Super weird. But it's been fun. The Pizza Bomber. Pizza bomber. That's what they call pizza, it? Pizza that's, bomber. That's their name. It was uh, it was like a bank heist that had gone wrong. I think I watched that one. Yeah, I may have seen another document because I don't remember it being called the pizza bomber. It what's not? That's not what it's called. Okay, but that's what the that's what the it was called it's, in the media. It's the one where the the guy that initially looked like the guilty party was a victim as well. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Crime that's how it's that's how it's shaping out. Evil genius, I think. Evil genius. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Evil genius. Okay, I didn't realize that yeah. was Erie Pencil. It was very uh, saw like, like yeah. this collar bomb. Yeah, like oh, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Way to ruin. I reckon I'll it. never watch. Oh, you should watch it. No. It's still it's worth watching, even knowing that the it's guy, very interesting. The guy who initially looks like the bad guy is the victim of the bad guy. I don't, I don't do too like true crime stuff. That must be not my thing. Have you seen, uh, if, if you guys are into true crime, you may appreciate American Vandal. <laughs> I have watched, <laughs> I've watched American Vandal. Um, Tiffany probably has not watched that, but I appreciated that. See, that's, that's another so one where you could go, hey, I found another one. It's called, <laughs> it's, it's a little smaller scale. It's not Pizza Bomber. What, what it's do called, I do with It's this? called American Vandal. <laughs> Hunter, have you seen that? I have not. Oh, God. Take some time. Look that one up. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Is there it still, a second, on, there still was a on second Netflix? season. Yeah, they did do a second yeah. season. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Fun stuff. Mm. Uh, well, that's cool. That's Thanks. Cool. Yeah, it was good. Seth? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, we had a delight. I'm sorry. Weekend. We're out of time for oh, something good. It's been fun. Thanks, guys, for having me. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> Tell me something good. Well, we had a great weekend. Went to the beach. Spring spring break with the kiddos. Did Which some beach? surfing. Ormond Beach. Stayed there a couple days. Played some putt-putt. Did a lot of surfing. How'd you do in putt-putt? Oh, I crushed I crushed the competition. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I won the prize. Was this to uh, get back at your son who has a better March Madness bracket than you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the the other good news is my extended family is doing brackets, March Madness, 10 bucks to buy in. There's 17 people as of, what is it, three, Today. three days in, four days in? How many? It's sweet, yeah, around a sweet 16. is. He, it will be next weekend. He is leading the whole thing. He's been in the top four since it started. He's leading the whole thing. Hasn't watched basketball all season, and now is in first place, and has 11 of the 16 correct picks for the sixth <laughs> sweet 16. <laughs> Not bad. I have seven. Is that, is that Ezra? Ezra. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's I have seven. Eight. So I. He's eight. Didn't yeah, even get half. He's a baseball guy. It is a baseball guy. Didn't uh, he also win? He the won Super Bowl? Super Bowl. Yeah, the uh, the square game and Super Bowl. He won two quarters of that. 150 bucks. Now he's set himself up to take home a cash prize of like 170 he's bucks. He's a sports hustler. <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's, he's not going to go to school. He's just going to get in on this sports gambling <laughs> and like know his stuff. He loves it. Like, I'd like, love to see Ezra. I'm like one of those gambling, uh, like gambling hotline commercials. <laughs> where if you're di- I have a problem. I have, if you have a problem, please call. <laughs> You need to take him down to the ponies. I, know. Oh, I, thought, you, I thought you were going to say like a, uh, a commercial for fan duels or something like that. Oh, he's yeah. like, he's like, yeah, he's like talking about how much money you can make. Yeah, yeah. Just playing playing a game you love. Yeah. Him and Jamie Foxx, is that who's the spokesperson for? He does. He, I think he's done some of those. Or one of those. Yeah. Well, so use all- any word in the English language <laughs> for a free ten dollar buy-in. <laughs> So all that, and then I, the really ex- thing, exci- exciting thing coming up this week, it's not good yet, but it will be good, is that I have a skid skid, skid steer coming to the house for like oh, nice. Wednesday through Sunday. Like a bobcat. Like a. What you doing with the bobcat? Oh, I'm clearing out some space to start working on building a pond. Oh, you decided to pull oh, the like trigger all on the pond? the way in the back? Not or? all the way, no. Like, just there's like some area in the middle of the property that is all these sand pines that are so like you have two falling pines. over and yeah like before you get back there and kind of dead and gross and hmm. yeah how other maybe this is just my ignorance other than digging a hole and filling it with water what goes into pond construction there, there's a like lot that play, goes into right? it that i don't really know but <laughs> <Did laughs> i'm going for did, it did i tell you about the the series i found uh-huh. on youtube have, yeah. have i have i turned you on to that I mean, you tried to. I, I didn't. I didn't try it yet. I mean, like, did I did I send it to you so you can watch? Maybe it you, you didn't make to. it that easy for me. Maybe I didn't. May have mentioned it, but you R- probably remind did. me when we finish because that yeah. that guy built a five acre pond. Yeah, this isn't going to be uh, that big. Yeah, huge. yeah, yeah. It's pretty big, um, but he actually had to build a dam. Yeah, and then after the dam, like, dig some space out. Yeah. And then there's all kinds of prep work that goes, at least in his case, yeah. in Alabama where he was, uh, prep work that went into preparing the bottom so that all the water doesn't just drain down into the soil. And then right at the end, he was like, okay, we're going to put, he had to uh, dig a well mm. to fill it up with water because mm. he's like, I can't afford, yeah. I can afford to build a five acre pond, but yeah. I can't afford to use the city water to fill it right, up. Right, right, right. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and then he, he filled it up and he was like, yeah, the water uh, overnight dropped by about a foot. So mm. I'm pretty sure I have a leak in the dam. Oh and so God. then he had to go, like, find the leak in the dam. And then there was some kind of thing that uh, he, he found he could just dump in the water. And as it, like, leaked out of the dam, it would seal the hole behind mm-hmm. it, basically. Mm-hmm. So, like, all that stuff. 
and that drainage drain pipe from it and all that kind of stuff so yeah, yeah it's it, it can be pretty involved i don't know if what you're thinking will be that involved no but no, his no. was like a year-long process too. no mine will just be a hole the water goes into well because my neighbors <laughs> i've watched my neighbors now each dig ponds and so yeah. i've seen you know like where we live we're so low i was I, gonna say in florida if you dig down like four feet yeah you'll have a foot of water in the bottom of that hole right yeah yeah so and we we live in a low area well there's part of the property is low so i think you kind of get into like the not necessarily the water table but maybe close there and so it doesn't it can't go anywhere else so yeah 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 so just so be I'm, I'm excited to start clearing that area up and then once i get the pond i can start planting all kinds of like aquatic plant type stuff around it and increase the food forest and like i'm excited yeah just don't plant all the way around and leave yourself some fishing no, no no yeah well ezra wants to fish too like he loves fishing so like that's that's part of the goal like we'll put we'll start getting some fingerlings and do you eat fish uh not really no sometimes i splurge and have some Ahi, but is that in keeping with your like ethical veganism or in keeping with i don't really like fish uh i do i really love ahi it's one of my favorite like a poke bowl is one of my favorite things ever so to give yeah. that up is pretty significant so yeah i just didn't know yeah so anyways i'm excited for that i don't i don't eat much fish because so, i think it's generally disgusting uh no some uh, did some good ahi mm. um if there's you, some fish i like if you want to like come knock down trees and a little mini bulldozer what are you gonna do with all those trees uh that's a good question i gotta figure that i gotta figure out what to do with the trees and what to do with the all the dirt other than that i'm like ready to go yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah other than all the extremely important detail yeah 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 i have a big bonfire if you guys want to roast some marshmallows yeah that's what i was gonna say oh and i always stalking up wood yeah oh do you want a bunch of you can come cut as much as you want okay we'll we'll talk okay dig it i'm not gonna cut it and bring it to you though (laughs) (laughs) let's do a brief transition uh this past sunday was an interesting one for me uh, I'm not often not here on Sundays, and so uh, to uh, have have j- watched it online, we watched it in the car, we watched mm. it live nice. as we were driving home, and uh, but it was week two of our, are we calling it our Easter series, or yeah, are we just saying it's just the series that happens to end on Easter? I feel like saying this is our Easter series. Yeah. But it's all pointing toward yeah. Easter and yeah. the resurrection yeah. and... and so I feel like it is a fair, a traditional Easter series, not about traditional Easter stuff. Mm. Sure. I like that. Sure. Uh, this week was about John the Baptist mm. and sort of the, I, I guess if I had to sum it up briefly, I would say uh, John the Baptist as an Elijah figure mm-hmm. and... Uh, even I didn't, I didn't realize until, um, I don't think I realized until I heard you talking about it, how many of the places that are sort yeah. of John places are, are also actually Elijah places. Mm-hmm. Too. Um, and so placing him in the line of Elijah in terms of prophet and his function, uh, 
And whereas Elijah, after the prophets of Baal incident, was sustained by bread and water given by God, uh, John is pointing to Jesus who says, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. And uh, kind of, you know, John preparing the way Mm -hmm. uh, in that way. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, I would say that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I really want to know the thought process Uh of John that's like, okay, let me... Let me go like dive into this Elijah metaphor. Like, yeah. yeah, let me just put on camel hair. Like, let me just eat locusts and honey. Yeah. Like, how did he was the like divine discussion that we don't get yeah. uh, inside of scripture? Or was this John just being like Like did he know what he was doing? Yeah. Yeah, like, did he did he look at Elijah's life and then look at this prophecy about one make you know call, a voice calling in the desert and go, yeah, I could do that. That could be me. I could do that. Yeah. He was at the local town center and there was a little bulletin board with a with little flyers. It was like <laughs> job opening. He was like, new yeah, profit yeah. profit needed. I can give that a try. Sure, why not? Sure, yeah, let's do it. Call this number. <laughs> No, that's interesting because that's, you know, there's there's a similar sort of um, question that people have asked about Jesus um, throughout like biblical scholarship history of going, you know, there's there's certain certain things that are taken to be messianic prophecies that that Jesus would have had no real control over in a human sense, where and when he was born, that kind of stuff. Uh, but there are other things that are taken, uh, often taken to be messianic prophecies that if Jesus knew the text, which is clear that he did, mm-hmm. you know, could potentially have put himself in a position to go, I'm going to fulfill this yeah, prophecy. I need to head in- over there. Intentionally. And, and yeah. Do that well, thing. which he even says a couple of times, like, this is happening so that yeah. the prophecies may be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there was some intentionality behind that. Right, right. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah. It's an interesting. Interesting thought. I took notes. Oh, on the sermon. Look at you go. Nice. You talk about the I didn't. Podcast. I was driving. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Smart. I appreciate Smart. that. Yeah. yeah, your concern for safety. <clears throat> I wrote <clears throat> in connection with Lent. I actually said to Lent, but mm. we're outliving now. Mm-hmm. Um, in connection to Lent. Um, so I really like we see Elijah. So you went into Elijah a lot mm-hmm. to talk more about John. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think there were some really cool things that you talked about within that Elijah section um, that's really impactful to our understanding of who God is, what it oh, means. Oh, who killed the prophets? The, yeah, so yeah. within that, so like in connection to the land, like we see Elijah confessing in the wilderness saying, I'm no better than yeah. my ancestors. Um, and then we see God forgive and restore him from that. Yeah. Um, and which helps reiterate that like God is God of life, that God, even when Elijah messes up so much that he killed hundreds of people um, and asks to die and recognizes what he does and says, Oh, okay. I, I kill me now. Like I almost like I deserve to die because I brought so much death. Hmm. Um, God says, no, I'm the God of life. I am going to restore you instead of kill you. Uh, I'm not going to 
punish you for killing people by killing you. That defeats the purpose of what I'm all about. I'm yeah. all about life and restoration. So I'm going to bring you back up. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to lead you in a new direction. Um, and I think that like that can has the potential to reframe a lot, God in the Old Testament for a lot of people. Well, I, I think that's why the, because I said about um, that that line about I'm no better than my ancestors, I think is a huge, to me is a huge little clue to how we understand God. Like he did this thing that would really fall in line with how most people think about the God of the Old Testament. Oh, well, they're the false prophets. They deserve to die. I've showed my might. I've showed that, that you're serving a false God. Now it's time to die. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's how people, I think, think of God. Well, that's why they had to go clear the land. They had to, when they're moving in there, God told them, don't leave anything alive. Like, yeah, yeah. God told them to kill all the 14 different nations, commit genocide. Like, But before they even go in, God says, I will clear them out peacefully. Right. I don't go in and kill them. I'm going to go to, and then they didn't listen to right. God. <laughs> right. But then it still gets attributed to, we did this in God's name or God told us to do this. And so when you see this guy who was a prophet say, I'm no better than my ancestors, the idea of, of progress to me is, is amazing that even, so what is he? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Ruth, First, Second Samuel, First, Second Kings. Even though it's not in chronological order, you're still a good ways into the Old oh, Testament. Yeah. No, and you're you're many hundred years beyond the desert, right. beyond the, the the wilderness. And he's going. They didn't really have it figured out. They misrepresented, misunderstood God, and now because of this action of killing the enemy, I am no better than them who didn't yeah. have it figured out either. Now, I, I may have missed it because, as I said, I was driving and we were dealing with some traffic and stuff. But is, is there anything in that story to specifically indicate that Elijah is, at, is saying, I'm no better than my ancestors because of the killing? Because I've, I've always understood that to mean, in the context of that story, I'm, I'm no better than my ancestors because I ran. I didn't have, I didn't, have faith. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't trust that you would take care of me and provide. I ran for my life. And no, that's and, and yeah. that, that idea of unfaithfulness, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. is the way I've always understood that statement from him. Oh, well, maybe you could make a case for that. I didn't, I've never heard it or thought of it through that lens or context. But no, it doesn't say specifically, um, no better because I did this yeah. bec- or because I ran. Yeah. It just and I'm not saying yeah. specific, like, for sure the way i've always understood it is the right way mm-hmm. but just i i've never the the way you said i've, I've heard you say stuff like that before yeah. and and i agree i mean i i think you know the the likelihood of the way god is written about and spoken about in the old testament being more about the people of that time than right. about god himself is is probably likely because Otherwise, you do have to deal with the angry, vengeful God of the Old Testament versus right. the loving, gentle God of the New Testament. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the asking to die lens, like it draws that parallel naturally to kill because, oh, he wants, there's death that pervades through the story. And I sure. feel like running away is less of a death 
equation punishment than yeah. I killed people. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, so killing people, the response is death. If we're still in the eye for an eye, mm-hmm. ideal. Okay, well, that's what I but and, deserve. And the bit about when the prophets of Baal start to cut themselves. I, I didn't dwell on it. I just kind of mentioned it. But the, the premise that, like, no, they believe that they need blood. God needs blood yeah. to their God needed blood. I, I heard that. You didn't say it, but I heard that. Yeah. yeah. And so... Uh, I mean, I said that part. I said, you know, that they believe this. Yeah. No, I mean, but I, I know, yeah, I know yeah, what yeah. you were saying. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> it's just kind of interesting to go. Oh wait, but isn't that what we have been taught to believe? Not human blood, Seth. Uh, no. God doesn't want God. human blood. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's animal blood. Yeah. Until it's his son. So, anyways. Yeah. Um, Moving on beyond that, I thought there was a lot of cool <laughs> connections to, to all that, but I, I wasn't aware of a lot of that stuff either, so it was kind of fun. Yeah. You got to talk more into the mic if you're kind of fun to dig into. Yeah, because yeah, it yeah. brings us all the way back to even like Abraham. Yeah. Like the, from the very first ancestor that's really quoted in that, yeah. that line of that's when God started teaching, hey, I don't need, yeah. I don't need your blood. That's not what I want. Yeah. Um, and well, then a failure, if we're looking at movements in the scripture, it's that continuous movement mm-hmm. of God's like, no, I don't, I don't need that. Yeah. Well, and, and even from the very beginning with, with Abram, there's that scene where he, he, Abraham meets God to seal their covenant and God has Abraham cut an animal in half and the historic practice would have been for both parties to walk in between the two halves to symbolically say like may may what has been done to this animal be done to me if i break this but then only god walks through it Mm -hmm. it's like from the very beginning it's like here's here's this practice here's this image that abraham would have understood from his cultural context and the time and place in which he lived but here's god subverting it and going this is going to be a one-sided deal Mm -hmm. yeah this is me blessing you Full stop. Well, me blessing you and then me choosing to take on the consequences. When you break the covenant, I will take on the consequences Mm -hmm. instead of you. I I put that on myself as an extra blessing um, for you, which also ties back to understanding Jesus. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's really been awesome. I've, I've loved getting to dive into some of this a little bit more. Yeah. That's how I. Yeah. Well, next week, or well, this coming week, it's about Jesus' temptation. Um, and already, I, there was there's something, I, I think it's in Hebrews, I'd never heard about how Jesus had to learn obedience. Yeah, I, Hebrews is incredible for helping understand Jesus's ministry and yeah. especially Jesus's death and resurrection and what that means and what what we're trying to do which I was never really taught yeah. growing up in church like Hebrews was Hebrews 11 that's yeah let's focus on that and the, the roll rest of call Hebrews, of faith yeah uh, the rest of Hebrews isn't that important but yeah. like it talks so deeply about this reframing of of Jesus' ministry and what Jesus did that I think is so profound. Of equating yeah. this, like, yeah, Jesus had to 
what? Yeah. <laughs> Alone you just obedient? had to learn. Yeah, oh, well, yeah he had to well, learn to be obedient. And like, it's the only other place you, it talks about Melchizedek uh-huh. uh, outside of Genesis. And so, you you know, you got the interesting kind of what is what is that all about? You know, I dig it. You have the really cool combination of, of rest. So you get talking about wilderness, like the writer of Hebrews dives specifically into that wilderness metaphor um, and calls back to the Israelites in the wilderness um, and how just as they were, Joshua called them into this place of rest, Jesus is calling, leading us from wilderness into God's rest. And it's this, um, to use our language, like God's intended reality, new heaven, and new earth, that's the writer of Hebrews describes as rest. Uh, it, it's, it's God's rest is what we're moving towards and what God desires for us. Mm-hmm. Oh. Let's make another brief transition. I feel like this series thus far has not exactly lent itself towards practical next step sort of application. Mm. Um, but if, if we did have to try to put something like that to it, Seth, what do you, what do you think it would be for this week? Talking about John the Baptist. Well, I, I, I really think it's, it's a opportunity to practice patience and trust, you know, which is always, here's three steps to trusting more. I don't, I don't know. Like it's, it's, I guess trying to have a a sense of confidence in uncertainty and being okay with not knowing, you know, if if the whole thing was about, uh, that there will be some sort of provision in wilderness and desert times. And we don't know when it will come, what it will look like. And, God isn't necessarily going to take us directly out of that moment or solve all of those problems. So hang out and trust that something's going to like, yeah, that, yeah. You, from, from our conversation during the week last week, that was the part that I, I specifically noticed you didn't, you didn't throw in was the whole bit where oh, John's, John's in prison <laughs> and he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah? And Jesus quotes this old Testament passage that they would have all been very familiar with. And he says, Go tell John what you've what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, and he intentionally, presumably intentionally, leaves out, and the prisoners will be set free. Right. And so John, hearing this from his disciples, would have heard them start quoting that passage and known exactly what it was, mm-hmm. and been waiting for that phrase, and then for them to not say that phrase would have said everything that yeah. you know that he probably hoped not to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and. Um, but yeah, it's I that that is one of the very challenging things that I think I, I've had to try to figure out how to talk to fellow Christians about is in in our culture. So often our faith gets reduced to um, pithy little aphorisms and encouraging statements, and you know, uh, God won't bring you to it if if He won't like. If yeah. he brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. Right, right, right. And it's like, sure, sure. But what we take from that Except. is... Well, <laughs> but what, what we take from that uh, tends to be uh, there's there's a bright, shining light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. 
that's that's the the end of the tunnel and it's this beautiful future that god's gonna and like sometimes the light is the rainbow bridge Mm -hmm. like sometimes the light is the light that you know you step into when you die um and the promise of god is not that everything will be okay it's not that everything will will turn out for your health and wealth and and benefit it's that I'm never going to leave you. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to forsake you. That no matter what you're dealing with, I'll be there and I'll comfort you. And that's... Although, isn't that the trouble with that in John? Because he gets left alone. Well, it's it, it reminds us that everything... Yes, everything will be okay, but not necessarily on this side. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And new creation, you will feel the fulfillment of all of that. Yeah. Um you you will start to feel glimpses of that now but you won't get everything now yeah and that i think is a tension that we so then the the deep answer to all the stuff that we don't know and understand is jesus (laughs) (laughs) well i i think you know for me the thing that has proven beneficial has been just the the refocusing more on god's presence Mm -hmm. and being aware of that um, in the here and now, um, as, as a comforting thing, more so than the promise of whatever difficulty I'm going through being removed Yeah. as the, as the hope, mm. right? The hope is that God is with me. Mm. The hope is not that my difficult situation will magically go away. Right. One of the things that I, um, have come to really appreciate, um, what, there's two parts in the Ignatian exercises, which is spirituality um, exercise. Um, it starts with um, listing out a just meditative state in the presence of God, and you list out, okay, in this today or yesterday, depending on when you're doing it, what brought me into the presence of God? Like, what things in my day did I feel extra connected to God in? Um, and then which things took me out of the presence of God? What was I doing? What distracted me? Like mm-hmm. when, when did I feel closer to God? And when did I feel myself moving away from God? Uh, and then it's followed directly by, okay, the next thing is to rest in the presence of God and in the love that God has for you. So it, it moves that, hey, in your day, there's going to be things that you do where you, and times where you feel close to God. And also where you don't feel as close to God, um, things that you did that match with what God, God's intended reality and things that you did that took you out of God's intended reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't matter how many of each one you did today. God still uh, is with you. You can still rest in God's love for you. Uh, even if you choose to live in a way that brings you outside of God's intended reality, God still wants to, God still loves you and wants to restore you back into that. And even if you look at the story of those two guys, Elijah speaks out against all this stuff, speaks out against um, the the rulers of the day and ends up getting taken up into heaven. John speaks out against the rulers of the day who were having, he was having, committing adultery or something and then ends up, I think it was Herod, and then ends up getting in prison and beheaded. So, yep. Be just because God saved that guy. There's your. Is that the hope that if God saves somebody else, He might not save me? Is there hope in that? <laughs> 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 I 
or what, what do you, what do you do? Is it what you were saying? I think it's going back. I think Hebrews helps play a role into that because um, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews talks about like we, the faith of those before us becomes more complete mm-hmm. in our lives, which implies that the faith of our lives becomes more complete in the lives of those after us. So we have to develop a longer view of history than just our own lives um, and understand that we are part of a bigger trajectory. Um, and that maybe the hope is, for John, what I began is pointing to something and moving towards something bigger and greater than just my life. Um, and so whether I, I die or not, I understand that I am living in a way that's moving the story closer to God's mm-hmm. intended reality. Yeah. And I think he understood that. Mm. Um, and, and at least the language we get through scripture of him talking about, like I, I, my whole life is just pointing to the one who's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I think we, we see this picture of John understanding that May, hey, maybe, like my life is a part of something bigger. Maybe him being left and then dying is still him pointing to the need for Jesus. It's like a last final pointing towards. Maybe. And on that thought. And on that note. (laughs) (laughs) That's a wonderful note. We are uh, we are well over our our target time for today. I blame Freddie Freeman. Me too. Yeah, um, it's always his fault. Well, we'll be now. For Freaking sure. Freddie. Yeah. Um, don't you say mean things about Freddie. <laughs> we still love Freddie. We're bummed that Freddie and his agent misplayed their hands so badly. Um, but uh, that'll do it for today's episode. You can reach out to us as we said at Tom at org for email. Uh, you can comment on this video. We will get those comments uh, as the video plays on um, the Foundry Family Facebook group. Yep. You can also check us out on uh, Instagram. Is that our only social media? It is. Yep. Are we getting? Are, we were getting some waves. Getting some oh, waves from, from the our, gallery. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a class change happening right now as we as we wrap this up. So, um, so yeah, on uh, Instagram at the other ministers, uh, reach out to us, say hello. We'll say hey back. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Uh, But for now, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of The Other Ministers. I'm Joe. I'm Hank. I'm Hunter. And we'll be all up in your ear holes next time.